for all of those. But all right, so we're going to uh, actually going to wrap up last week because uh, last week we were talking about quality time. Does anybody remember our definition of quality time? How did we define it last week? When you're giving somebody quality time, what what is absolutely necessary? What's the Undivided attention, that's right. Quality time equals undivided attention. Be, let's be honest with ourselves. Can you genuinely give someone undivided attention if you are flipping through your phone? No, no. okay, very good. Uh, what if you're uh, just uh, scrolling through TV channels? Probably not, okay. So, if quality time is, uh, is your thing or it's what your spouse needs, or again, we've been able to apply these more broadly. It's not just for marriage relationships. For friends, if you can realize that a friend really needs quality time, being on your phone, however important that text message may be, however important your fantasy football league may be, set the phone down. At the very least, mute the TV, but you may even want to go for the next step, turn off the TV. Anyway, so those are some things to look at. One, uh, one other thing that we wanted, two other things actually that we wanted to talk about, just briefly kind of wrap up our discussion of quality time last week, is uh, this. Remember how we were talking about different languages, right? Have different dialects, okay? You move to a place, I, made the, I, I mentioned how, uh, how my dad never had to study a foreign language uh, in high school. He ended up learning Southern when he moved from New Jersey down to Nashville. It's a different dialect, right? Different dialect of English, uh, different languages all have their different dialects. These love languages also have similar, similar different dialects. One with quality time is actually learning how to talk. And that might sound kind of silly, right? Everybody should know how to talk. But learning how to talk is, um, is actually part of quality time let me ask this uh, just kind of show of hands let me see are you if you think you are a better listener if you think you're a better listener show of hands okay all right maybe about 30 percent of us are you a better talker show of hands okay interesting all right let me ask your opinion on this um what do you think? Do you think it would be better? Do you think it's better to be better at one than the other? Or maybe comparably good at both? Yeah, be good at both. That's kind of low-hanging fruit. Sean, you're going to say something? I was going to say, my theology is to be a good talker, you almost have to be a good listener. The two are together. I, I, I think I see where you're going here. Yeah, it really does seem like the, there are two sides of the same coin, right? Where we need to be able to have, um, have the ability to, to listen well so we can then kind of reflect well, share well. Yeah, if, if those two things are working well together, then that's, uh, that's exactly what we need to do. All right, so this is, um, as we're kind of wrapping up this section from last time, so this is all quality time stuff. We will get to receiving gifts in probably about five, uh, five or six minutes. And that's the third one that we're gonna get into. But some helpful tips for learning how to talk. If you, if you think sharing is uh, maybe difficult for you, if you think sharing is difficult for you, 
uh, whether it's sharing your feelings and uh, like again sharing your feelings it doesn't have to be mushy or you know, it doesn't have to be stereotypical right sharing your feelings can actually be a, a pretty useful thing even in a workplace environment where if somebody comes up to you you know, Mark comes in uh, into the office he checks uh, most of the folks come and check their mailboxes when they first come into the office my office is right there by the mailboxes and I get in early and so it's common enough for somebody to say hey had this strange thing happen I got this email got this text message what do you think about this learning how to share why you feel the way you feel is absolutely essential for any really any kind of interpersonal relationship you have. And so here's some things that I think will be helpful for us. Learn to recognize how you feel. Learn to recognize your own feelings. All right? Recognize your own feelings. Recognize your own feelings and then <clears throat> Um, one way to do that is uh, maybe to have, uh, have, have a little bit of dialogue on the basis of cause and effect. Cause and effect, okay. Here's a good example. Um, maybe you're, uh, you uh, get home from work, whether it's uh, you know, office or you know, some other kind of job or something like that. Get home from work and you are just kind of grumpy, a little stressed out. You don't know precisely why that is. One, uh, you know, some things to ask about are um, you know, maybe check. Uh, check what happened throughout the day. Kind of run through. Ask yourself, is there anything that happened today that made me upset? And the next question to ask is, Okay, well, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Why do I feel this way? Uh, how many of you get stressed out when your house is a mess, your house or your apartment is a mess? Okay. If you feel stressed out for no reason, or the reason is not obvious, check around, look around. Maybe there's something there. Um, how many of you get stressed out when you're driving along and you see, uh-oh, check engine lights on, I need an oil change, tire pressure's low? All right, a few of you, okay, yeah. Stacy, I know that never happens to you because you are on the spot with that stuff. <laughs> but things like that, yeah, things like that. Cause and effect, I think, are really useful in this kind of, uh, in this kind of setting. So here's, uh, here's a good way to ask these questions. All right, when I feel this way, when I feel this way, I tend to behave, fill in the blank. I t ooh, sorry, lost my uh, thought there. Tend to behave. All right, here we go. Uh, somebody brave enough to fill this in? When you feel stressed, how do you tend to behave? Less graciously. Less graciously. That's very fair. Yeah, less graciously. Maybe not so quick to give somebody else the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Anybody else? When I feel stressed, I tend to behave what? Withdrawn. Withdrawn. Interesting. Yeah. Need to take a step back, check out for a minute. Yeah. All right. When I feel stressed, 
I tend to behave how? Snappy, edgy, yeah? Yeah? Mark, you look like you're about to say something? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when I feel hungry, I tend to behave. Yeah, yeah. Um, a question for reflection. You uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but you're welcome to if uh, if this uh, if you feel like it. How many of us tend to eat our feelings? Yeah, I'm stressed out. I need something to eat. I um. That's, that, is, that is me. Um, L- Linnea can tell you that when I had, I'd been in school for uh, like the last uh, 10 of the last 11 years, right? So I started my Master's of Divinity in 2010 and then graduated last year. Um, and so Linnea could usually tell what, what time we were in the semester. Because as the semester starts to wind down, papers are due, projects are due, things like that. That's when I would usually try to get us to go out to eat more. That's when I would usually try to get us to order more pizza, you know, fill in the blank. The stress level was high, and so I needed to eat to reduce stress, which made me feel gross because I had overeaten so much delicious food. And living in Memphis was tough because there's all this great soul food around, this great barbecue. Anyway. So I'd feel gross, so I would get stressed out because of how I felt, so I would need to eat. Okay, you see the vicious cycle? All right, eventually I realized that. Eventually I realized, okay, this is something that, that I do, and it's not good. I'm kind of in one of those cycles now, and I don't, I don't know exactly what it is. It's probably related to the fact that Samuel's still potty training. Our two-year-old is still potty training. And I don't know if y'all have ever tried to work with Mark, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> Carolina knows all about that. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I think this is a really helpful little s- template. Probably a good way to put it. It's a little helpful template for us to realize, okay, when I feel this way, whatever it is, stressed, angry, depressed, sad, lonely. Lonely's a good one. We had, I had a good talk with our four-year-old about loneliness yesterday. He, when he feels lonely, he will withdraw for a time, and then when we try to engage him or we try him to get to do something, he will lash out. And it's, it's so tough. And so last night it was really rough. He didn't get to have his bedtime story or Bible story or sing with us or anything like that. It was, it was a tough night for him. What really made him feel better was just us. Linnea first, and then I came in afterwards, just laying down with him, talking to him, listening to him. I asked him how he was feeling, and earlier in the day, he said that he'd felt lonely. He missed one of his friends from Kentucky, um, who actually moved a year earlier than we did, but anyway, he's four, and it's, it's a big part of his life. I asked him how he was feeling, and he said he was feeling lonely. And so I said, Pete? When we're lonely, what do we need? And he said, a friend, but not a dinosaur friend, a real friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, buddy. I don't think that uh, T-Rex is going to be very friendly. But yeah, when I feel lonely, 
not something that maybe many of us uh, recognize. Or maybe 2020 helped us uh, maybe be a little bit more sensitive to that. Anyway, when I feel stressed, I tend to be more easily frustrated. When I feel lonely, I, I, I tend to ignore when friends reach out, when I feel angry. Anyway, this is a good template. This is a good template. Begin to think about cause and effect. I think that'll help us. The next dialect, right, of quality time is this one, quality activities, quality activities. The idea here is to be able to do something that you can both genuinely enjoy together or that you can also, that one of you really likes and the other one is willing to do it. All right, let me ask you this. Do you feel, how many of you might say that quality activities, do you feel closest to someone when quality time is an activity together? How many of you would kind of feel that way? Okay, yeah, several of us, all right. All right, let me ask this, what do you think you're getting, what do you think you're gaining when you do something together like this? What do you think you're gaining when you do something together? Camaraderie. Camaraderie, very good, yeah. Peace of mind, interesting. Sean, uh, dig into that just for a second. What, what is it that, that brings or generates peace when you're doing something together with, uh, with a loved one or a friend? Right, yeah. Sometimes that kind of intimacy can be a little intimidating for some right. folks. If yeah. You're walking the dog together or something, you know, there's, it's mindless. You don't have to yeah. you know, really do anything, but yeah. you're talking the whole time, you know, periodic eye contact. It's, it's, right. It can be helpful to have kind of a distractor, yeah. but, but not one that's too engrossing. Something that's, uh, that's really kind of disarming. Yeah. Clay? I think it's sometimes just your background, too. I was an only child, and we live like. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah. An easy way to connect because you learn, had to learn how to connect with folks that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Alicia. I like uh, all of us have been hitting or giving specific examples of what Tom said, camaraderie. The, the thing that I had mentioned here on my notes was companionship, which is essentially camaraderie. 
this idea of, of meaningful togetherness. That's what quality activities is driving us for. Okay, so Gary Chapman, the guy who wrote Five, lang five Love Languages, uh, he, gives, uh, he gives three, three options for, or th three kind of uh, stipulations for what needs to happen. One of you wants to do it. One of you wants to do it. I'm running these fast and low, so sorry. The other is willing, right? The other is willing, and then you both know why you're doing it. You both know why, why you're doing this activity together. Sorry, this pretty terrible handwriting, but it's uh, low and fast. So. You both know why you're doing it. So if, you, if quality activities, and like, uh, like Adrian said, it, it, something, something not super engrossing, gardening, walking the dog, um, <clears throat> hobbies, uh, be careful about that, right? Be careful, because some people really do get engrossed in their hobbies, because that's, especially for introverts, if that's something that you need to kind of recharge and go and go back out and be other, with other folks. But here's the thing, though. Kind of last thing to mention with quality time before we head over to receiving gifts. Um, <clears throat> carve out time for togetherness. Whether it's a joint activity, whether it's learning how to talk to someone and like actually meaningfully talking and listening to them. If quality time is your spouse's or your friends or your loved ones or your parents or your child's, main love language, right? If it's the main love language, carve out time for these things like you would carve out time to eat a meal. It really is that important, especially if your spouse, parent, child, friend, if your loved one's main love language is quality time, it really is that important to carve out time like this. So. That wraps up quality time. Let's take a look at uh, receiving gifts. That's uh, love language number three. I'll spin this, spin this guy around. Let me ask this. What is one of the most meaningful gifts you have ever received? Now, I'm not talking about something you earned, right? What is one of the most meaningful gifts you've ever received? Yeah. Yeah, man, that's cool. That's cool. I um, I won't tell Hunter and Keeley that you were bragging on them, <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. When traveling is your thing. Yeah. yeah. Some something something as, as necessary. Very much so. Yeah. Tara. Yeah. About three years ago, there was a huge box under the Christmas tree, and I thought, wow, it was huge. I didn't know what it was, and it was a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just so everybody heard that, it was a trash can? Yeah. Okay. To put all the wrapping paper in, right? Exactly. The next year, he did it up big. It's a beautiful oil painting of our children. Wow. And um, as they go into the next phase of their lives. And um, and the kids just think it's like dynasty. They like put it over the mantle. So we finally moved it, and it's not front and center when you walk into our house. Uh Uh-huh. That is cool. That was a good decoy gift to throw throw her off there at first. Exactly. Set the expectations low, right? We talked about that with the brownies earlier. Guys, see, y'all thought this was just questions to, to break the ice. There's a deeper meaning to all this. One of the most meaningful gifts I ever received was a, a small tie clip. I'm not, I don't have a tie to go with this shirt. My mom made this shirt. And when we, first, when we first moved to Corpus Christi, literally our first night, we hadn't even moved into our apartment yet. We got into our hotel, 1.30 in the morning, we drove all the way from Nashville. It was long, <laughs> long drive. Um, I thought, oh man, I, I didn't, there's enough light in the parking lot, I didn't lock the tailgate, it'll be okay. Well, all, like all of my ties, all, like most of my dress shirts, all my dress jackets, all that stuff was stolen. What's really funny is uh, you know, when we moved down here uh, and you know, like so much of our stuff was stolen out of the back of my truck, it was reaffirmation that, well, okay, obviously people are in need of the gospel down here. <laughs> so, so we've come to the right place. Yeah. Right, exactly, yeah, yeah. What's really funny is they pulled one of the boxes out and the, very, the, very, the books on the top were some Hebrew grammar. So it's like, <laughs> if you guys only knew where to sell these things, you could get big bucks for these. <laughs> Joke's on you. I've got all the expensive stuff still. Anyway, I got this tie clip from my grandfather, whom I never met. He died uh, pretty early of, uh, of a heart attack. Mom, how old was he? He was 50. Died of a heart attack. Um, he was a deacon and an elder at the church where my mom grew up, same place where Mark and I grew up. And uh, whenever I wear a tie, I know that I'm going to be doing something where I need to represent my family well. So whether it's presenting at you know, a school or academic conference or teaching class or you know, preaching or communion devotional, something along those lines, whenever I wear that tie clip, I think. You know, there is a legacy here. Something small represented in just this little tie clip. It's not especially fancy either, but it, it's meaningful. All right, so that's, what about this? What's one of the most meaningful gifts you've ever given? One of the most meaningful gifts you have ever given. And if you have trouble remembering the gifts that you've given, put a check mark by your name, that means you're humble. <laughs> and you're not sitting around thinking, well, hey, I've given all these great gifts. <laughs> now, what's, what's one of the most meaningful gifts you've ever given? Yeah. When I was teaching in Rivera, I got dragged into this while going to school at A&M Kingsville and worked at Del Mar Library where mm-hmm. I lived that last semester, 77. But I had a student come up and doing introductions for a computer class, and he came up, and I'd already seen how he behaved, and he's, he said, you know, he come up and he says, well, I'm, I'm ADD, I'm slow, and I can't do certain sure. things. 
And I had watched him troubleshoot a computer for the first time just by observing. Yeah. And something it just galled me, and I slammed him up against the wall. I got him and said, don't ever anybody tell him you're slow. Yeah. Because he played on the football team. I said, you're reading what's going on in the field, and you get sacks every football game. Yeah. yeah. Those are, you're reading symbols that move. That's harder than still symbols. And he took that and ran with it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. you know, he, he went around and told me he wasn't a dummy. He wasn't going to take the dummy classes. <laughs> and uh, my class was the first he got a B, and I, I hated it. But I didn't give him anything. Sure. I, said, I showed him, I said, you are everything. Yeah, good for him. The next semester, the guy who took over, yeah, he got a day. Good for him. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a, uh, he came back. About 10 years later. Yeah. I didn't even recognize him, but he came up and almost tackled us. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gift of, I mean, gift of encouragement, kind words, yeah. Yeah. It, confidence, really. Amazing what that can do. Yeah. Anybody else? Meaningful gift you've ever given? I kind of like Mark's uh, point this morning of my macaroni pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. Yeah, those are meaningful, right? Even though they seem, in the grand scheme of things, it seemed kind of silly, but for, for Mark's abilities at that moment with the medium of dry macaroni, which is underrated to be sure, um, <laughs> that, uh, that really is something, yeah. All right, let me ask this question. Have you ever traveled somewhere and been giving something? So you're traveling probably out of, uh, out of the country, but not necessarily. Have you ever traveled somewhere and been given something like food or a drink and you weren't really excited about it? What did you do? Ate it. You <laughs> ate it. <laughs> um, Adrian, I mentioned you specifically because uh, you're, you're the only one I know in here that has lived overseas as a missionary kid. Um, if I were to, it, it, you know, if I were to be transported to uh, to to where you were growing up in Brazil, was that right? Okay, in Brazil, I came down, and uh, you know, some of the some of the folks who uh, who were locals, uh, you know, put to, put together a meal for us. What would it have communicated if I refused to eat any of their food? That would have been rude. Yeah. Especially because they've probably been giving you the best of what they have. Yeah. Yeah. And the same is true in Costa Rica, Asia, the Middle East. Anywhere. Yeah. In fact, my daughters would tell you that I've quoted to them many times from one of my favorite childhood movies, Indiana Jones. Yes. Where we're sitting down and they're not wanting to eat something that <laughs> somebody in another country has served them. Temple of Doom, is that where we're going? Probably okay. where I'm going with this. <laughs> I would look at them and I would say, you're insulting them and you're embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> eat it. Yeah. Who doesn't like chilled monkey brains, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, one of, the, one of the very first times that I ever remember seeing fish with the head still on it, okay? I didn't grow up near the coast, right? So fish with the head still on it was still kind of weird. I spent uh, six weeks in Senegal, West Africa, teaching English using the Bible with a program called Let's Start Talking. And um, the folks that we were staying with, they were fishermen by trade, but missionaries, uh, they're actually Ghanaian missionaries. They're from Ghana, 
there were missionaries there at the church there in Senegal, and they gave us uh, the local dish called chebujan, which is just the local language for rice and fish, okay? It's not a very exotic dish. And uh, there it was, like head, bones, scales, and everything. First time I'd ever seen any of that. I was used to uh, you know, my fish being fried next to mac and cheese and hush puppies from Captain D's. All right? And so we, but we ate it because we knew. They, they, spent, a, you know, they spent a long time prepping this for us. Yeah. If you reject that gift, you probably cause some sort of offense. But if you accept that gift, it creates some kind of a bond, right? Linnea, you said that you just ate it. You ate what they gave to you. It, it created a bond between the giver and the receiver. All right, so let me ask this. What do you communicate when you give someone a gift? What do you communicate when you give someone a gift? That I thought about you. I spent time yeah. thinking about this idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Time, yeah. Thoughts, yeah. Effort. Effort. What are you going to say, Mark? Oh, I thought, uh, sorry. Was it Adrian? Okay, so kind of a ventriloquism effect (laughs) from over here. Yeah. Feelings. Feelings, very good. Adrian, what did you say? I said, I just shouted out effort. Effort, okay, yeah, so a lot of that. Feelings, yeah. Sometimes that I sacrifice, that they sacrifice of themselves to give to you. Yeah, 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 man. Value the relationship. Value, yeah. Love, affection companionship, these are things that I have. You value their relationship. That's actually the last thing I had here. Tom, I'm glad we consulted before, uh, before class. So you guys, I'm going to use that joke every time. Okay, I'm going to use that joke every time. All right, let me ask this. Agree or disagree? Giving a gift is a symbol of your love for the recipient. Giving a gift. Let me, let's see show of hands. Agree. Giving a gift is a symbol of love for the recipient. Now let's make sure that we understand what I mean by love, right? Yeah, okay, so love, right, it can be romantic, it can be parental, it can be fraternal, right, it can be platonic, right? Love can take a lot of different forms, but I think one way to think about giving gifts is for us to keep in mind that it, it shares all these things, it, it communicates all these things that we just mentioned. Effort, value, our, our, our feelings, and, and specifically, right, our, our positive feelings towards the other person that we were thinking about them. Yes, Sean? You were talking about this, about food. And it come up I do that a lot. My mom was talking, <laughs> when she was alive, I was always talking about, she knew many people in the Church of Christ that would give the shirt off their back if somebody was in need but would lie starving to death in the gutter before they would ask for help. Before they would allow somebody else the gift of giving. Interesting. And so, the, yeah. like on the food deal, being a gracious receiver is, is giving the, the other person the gift of being the giver. Interesting, yeah. You can twist that around a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that... Well, and, and that's basically what your dad's around when you talk about that food offering of right. culture. Though I will say, after you try it, it's perfectly legitimate to go, I don't like that, because I don't like foods in my own country. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, but when you do that, you're honest. When we were on a missions trip in Thailand, when I was honest about it, our guy, 
Mm -hmm. But I had three Thai kids come up to me and go, yeah, we're from the country. We don't like this either. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah. I immediately had some people like, okay, we're, we're on the same yeah. page on this food. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Symbols, right? So if the gift is a symbol, I think it's fair to say that symbols, they rarely equate the thing that they represent, right? If you give this gift and it's a symbol of your love, whether it's you know, dry macaroni, whether it's you know, something a lot more significant like an engagement ring, it, that symbol itself doesn't equal the same value or, or duration or whatever as your love. They r rarely, if ever, perfectly equate the thing they represent. How many of us took the Lord's Supper this morning, okay? Symbols, right? Representing Jesus' body, Jesus' blood, right? They don't equate those. They're not the same as, but they represent. Symbol, I think gifts can, that might be a helpful way for us to think about gifts. All right, so let's ask this. Um, what do you think makes, oh, yeah, Henry, yeah. Very true, very true. We've got, uh, I've got some stuff down here. Uh, I think elsewhere, it, not here, but in, uh, in some other, uh, other things we've said the last couple of weeks where we've mentioned how it's, especially if you're married, become a student of your spouse. Know their likes and dislikes. Observe, yeah, do exactly the kinds of things that you mentioned there, Henry. That's great, yeah. What makes a good gift? What makes a good gift? What do you think? Practicality. Practicality, okay. I really love practical gifts. Is jewelry a practical gift? Yes, yes. <laughs> See? <laughs> I didn't think jewelry was a practical gift. And I, for the longest time, I didn't feel great about giving Linnea jewelry because I didn't, like, what do you do with it? You just wear it? Well, that's great. <laughs> No, I didn't think it was a practical gift, but I had to learn. Yeah, I had to learn. I had to learn to, that that is practical. Eric, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, I know what you mean. Not a garden hose. Okay, Andy, I'm sorry about that garden hose you tried to give the other day. I've been sorry for over 20 years. Sorry for over 20 years. A yardstick and a garden hose. Guys, the... <laughs> <laughs> much better gift than a basic gift giver. Okay, so again, we're seeing case in point. Well, you can learn. We'll get to this in just a second. Sarah, yeah.
gifts okay. or whatever because it's just eventually it becomes oh, I have to get in the car and it's birthday and so it just became like stuff that right Very good. Super practical. Super practical. Yeah. And it's like she loves it. Yeah. And so for us, practicality is. It's high on the list. That's fair. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. It makes a lovely apron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Become a student. Yeah. We mentioned earlier. Yeah. It's appropriate for the recipient. Makes a good gift, right? If it costs money, it's reason. It's responsibly affordable. Okay. Is that fair? I got you this really awesome gift, Linnea. We took out a second mortgage. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Nerp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really hope you like the color. <laughs> it's teal. It's your favorite. Anyway. And a good gift, however big or small, right? Clearly and successfully communicates what you are trying to sh demonstrate, what you're trying to communicate. Love for the recipient. It can be big, it can be small, right? All right, I've got, oh, remember, that clock is fast. I've got 11.24 here. We've got time. Can you learn to give gifts? How many of you started out being bad at gift giving and now you could probably say you're not half bad? A few of us, yeah. Andy, we, yeah. you got ratted out earlier. Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, okay, all right, so yeah, maybe some of us. Okay, so the bottom line is yes, right? You can learn to speak any of these love languages that we've been talking about. That, I, I hope you at least appreciate that. That's why we've been in class together for the last uh, three weeks, right? So here's something, some things that you can do, okay? Can you learn to give gifts? The answer is yes, all right? So here's some practical tips. Uh, and really, Henry gave us kind of a, you know, you know, a few of these already. Make a list. All right? Try this. Make a list of gifts that your loved one, and again, spouse, parent, child, friend, you know, anything. Make a list of gifts that your loved one has been excited about over the years that might mean you might have to do a little bit of hunting, do a little bit of thinking. All right? But make a list of gifts that your loved one has been excited about over the years. And it could be, right, things you gave or others. All right, things that you gave or things that others gave. Okay? All right, now then the next thing, obviously, this, I'm following Chapman's rules here. This one seems kind of obvious. 
but for the sake of uh, sake of completion, we'll put it here. All right, so make a selection, right? <laughs> like I said, that seems super obvious, right? But actually, make a selection not just of something to buy, but maybe it is something to buy, something you can make, or maybe something you can find, right? You've got three different types of options here for for procuring something that can be meaningful. You could buy something, you could find something, you could also make something, and again, it doesn't have to be big, it doesn't have to be um, as large as a trash can, okay? <laughs> it could be, could be maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit smaller than that. Um, something else too that I, that I had mentioned earlier is this, really kind of the, the big notion here is be a student of the person, specifically of your loved one, right? Be a student of your loved one. If you're inter if giving, if, if receiving gifts is their main love language, right? If receiving gifts is their main love language, really study what sorts of things they like. I asked so if, if I get in trouble for what I'm about to say next, you can blame Hunter Ashmatat and Kathy Jacobs, okay? <laughs> you can blame them. Um, I asked them, all right, let's say that, uh, that one of your husbands, whether John or Jamie, let's say that one of these guys wants to get you some jewelry. But let's say for the sake of argument that they're not very good at picking out jewelry, okay? Right. So for the sake of argument, let's assume that. What can they do? How would you, Kathy and Hunter, how would y'all help them kind of figure out what to do? And so we talked about it for a little bit in the office the other day, and this is what they came up with. So this is just two ladies' suggestions, but I think the principles here are much more broadly applicable than just these two things. So with something like jewelry, but again, Apply that however you need to. With something like jewelry, maybe use current jewelry as some kind of a guide. Here are the parameters. You can see the jewelry box. You can see the rings, the necklaces, the earrings. Are, are there themes? Are there motifs? Is there a particular color, right? Do they prefer yellow gold, white gold, pearls, the ones that dangle, studs? Trying to find the themes, right, that help, help you kind of kind of work out uh, what their style is. Uh, notice common sizes, colors, you know, they prefer metals, stones, things like that. Okay, and again, find those details. Um, and then, honestly, you could just ask. Is that fair? <laughs> you could just ask, hey, I would like to get you something for Mother's Day, your birthday, Valentine's Day, Christmas, whatever, okay? And again, if, this, if receiving gifts is the person's main love language, then this will be really meaningful to them. I'd like to get something for you, but I, I would like for you to help me. Are you willing to do that? You might also kill two birds with one stone because if your love language is quality time, then imagine the kind of time that you'll get to spend together going and looking at some of these things. Okay, yeah. Some of that could work out. Flip side, all right? 
Uh, for husbands, and again, like some of this is stereotypical, but uh, like I said, it's broadly applicable. Um, if you're interested in getting, if you're married and you're interested in getting your husband something, whether it's uh, you know some kind of new uh, new shirt or new gear or something along those lines, you know, do the same kind of practice. What kinds of things do they have? Is there a particular color they tend to like? You know, and again, if you don't know, it's always helpful to ask, right? It's always useful to ask. You at least try that. The last oh, before we move on to this though. Just uh, let's let's just all throw these uh, throw these out here. What are some good ideas for small gifts? Small Mexican gifts. Coke. A, a Mexican Coke. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, whenever I am at uh, Buffalo and I sneak away with my work friends to go to lunch, I I get away with it. Lene is not as mad at me if I bring her home a Mexican Coke. <laughs> Anybody else? Something small. It's just anything. Yeah, Alicia. John Temple frequently like gives you the bouquet of flowers from H E B. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, guys, eight dollar flowers. Roll with that. Uh, no, but it's like candy. Is anybody like your favorite candy bar? Okay. Snickers. Snickers. Okay. All right, guys. We're gonna just start feeding Jerry Snickers. So he he'll just. But for you to give. Yeah. 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 We've got some stashed away in the office. So see me after class. Okay. But seriously, little things like that, it especially, especially, right, if your friend, parent, loved one, whoever, if their love language is gifts, those are great things. Last thing, the last thing, the last dialect of, uh, of this is yourself, meaning physical presence. Physical presence, Pre prince, prince, artist formerly known as physical presence. Simply being with someone can be a meaningful gift. Yeah, simply being with someone can be a meaningful gift. You can never get that time back. I can't get that twenty minutes back. I can't get that hour back. Yeah. There's a lot up here, a lot of things we talked about earlier, but it's kind of an intangible gift, right? And there's a lot of overlap with the physical presence of yourself and quality time, right? I see there's a lot of overlap there. But if physical presence is important to you, verbalize that. Verbalize that to your parent, your child, your spouse, your friends that are, are really good for you. Verbalize that and um, this is gifts. So next week I think is touch, physical touch. I think that's next week. So guys, thank you all so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Y'all are dismissed. <laughs>